The black belt barrister is a barrister who gives out free legal advice on his... God, it sounds like an advert so far, doesn't it? He gives out free legal advice on his very popular YouTube channel. Everything from how to avoid certain police traps while driving or going about your day to what's going on with the big celebrity court cases of the day, which is what we'll be focusing on a bit more today. He's a really fascinating guy who does explain the difference between a barrister and a solicitor for you non-Brits or non experts, lay people, but they are both types of lawyers. The barristers are the ones who wear the funny wigs and gowns that you see in those old-timey movies, as well as modern trials in the UK. Today, after some initial explanations and introductions, he'll be taking us through the latest in the Kevin Spacey allegations, because that's all gone a bit quiet and sort of pops up every now and then. What's going on there? What did he do, that actor, that famous actor? And explaining as well what happened with Bill Cosby, because that also sort of fell away, and I believe he's out now. So... He'll discuss body language and the latest updates with Amber Heard as well. That's the other thing. So all these different cases. It's quite a celebrity-heavy episode, although Spacey and Cosby are now more infamous than famous or famous. This being a Saturday episode, it was originally live on the Sean Atwood Show, organised by producer Ash Meikle. So thank you to them for making this one happen. Check out the full episode on the Sean Atwood True Crime podcast this this was part of a four-hour show uh one segment of it that i was hosting and visit the black belt barristers youtube page to see more from him in addition to being a top barrister he is also a black belt hence his online name in the korean martial art of taekwondo as well as polam close quarters combat skills he teaches on a volunteer basis and gives specialist combat courses to the British Army and Special Forces. Pretty cool, hey? Coming up soon are episodes with Elgin Strait, a former Mooney, which is a cult, with information about the assassination, the assassination, the assassination of former Japan Prime Minister Shinzo Abe. And the Coffin Confessor is also coming on, coming back on, to talk about the secrets of the dead. But now, you're on the edge of Barrister Law, Kevin Spacey and Bill Cosby with the Black Belt Barrister. Do you only go by Black Belt Barrister? You don't see your name as, as the thing. <laughs> I, I, I put that on just so it's easier for people to find me. But um, yeah, my name's Daniel. You can call me Daniel. Or Dan, Daniel. <laughs> I can call you Black Belt Barrister as you well. You can call me Black Belt Barrister um, if you wish. <laughs> oh, oh, and you sound good. You look good. This is it's, it's good. We're, we're, we're Hopefully, you can hear me. Here. It's not your not your internet connection that's at fault. I mean, I felt I felt uh, really bad for for Janice and seeing her cut off like that. But um, it's, I, I caught the last bit of it. it. Sounds like a very moving story. But um, oh, hopefully yeah, you can yeah. hear. You were of, of John McAfee. Uh, I'm not actually. I, I just I just caught the tail end of the story. Ah, uh, right. Oh, you got it. There's a documentary called Gringo, which I think was on Netflix or somewhere like that. That was just, mm. it's out of this world. He's the most outrageous person I've ever heard of. Just, just insane. But I'll check into that. Tell me about your background and your YouTube channel. My background, well, my background's in business and martial arts, hence the black belt in the black belt barrister. Um, I was in business before I came to the bar, the bar of England and Wales uh some refer to it as the senior half of the profession um you recognize uh, barristers as wearing wigs and gowns going into court representing cases and providing specialist advice 
is what we do. Um, mid, well, early COVID, really, I started um, the YouTube channel Black Belt Barrister to help people understand law kind of became my tagline. I'm the barrister that helps you understand law. Uh, it's not my first channel. My first channel was in martial arts, helping people understand martial arts, I suppose. It was Black Belt Secrets. So the uh, the secrets of martial arts of being a black belt. So I now tend to offer my opinions on black belt secrets as opposed to black belt barrister. I try to re refrain uh, from opinions too much on black belt barrister, more law and understanding uh, legal principles. But hopefully people will subscribe to both and hopefully you've got both the links. But um, yeah, I, yes. I, I hope that I uh, achieve my goals. I get lots of emails telling me that people have won their cases on the on the back of little tips oh. and guidance, which which is always nice to receive. Uh, so I, I really appreciate those. So when people send me that, those little emails yeah. telling me they've had a success from just how we do our job, essentially, and yeah. um, and it works for them. Do you think you're welcome for the advice I gave you for free that you didn't pay for? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's uh, <laughs> it's it's an unbelievably common request um, to to have. I mean, you know, the nice part of me would love to help everyone uh, that I that. that ask for help but there's so 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 many i don't even see them all um but um i also have to uh make and earn money and i make the distinction between the two you can make money you can earn money I, I, <laughs> that's sort of where the business of me comes in but uh but there we go <laughs> what's the difference making an yeah so if you're earning money i i think you are exchanging your time for a, a limited amount of money uh, to put it bluntly, and I, I, I know that might sound harsh, but uh, there is a rate of pay that someone will pay for your time, and they quantify it quite easily. Making money, on the other hand, is you set up systems or you own intellectual property which generates money without your time going into it. That's for wow. me. That's the difference. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, I never that's, thought. Yeah, that's that like your your uh, your master's level business course in thirty seconds. <laughs> there you go, everyone. We've just we've just all learned something. Um, and and then just briefly for for those non-British people, um, what's a barrister? So in England and Wales, I say England and Wales because when I say the UK, I get people in Scotland get upset with me. But uh, in England and Wales, we have a split profession, um, which is between solicitors and barristers. And although the lines have been blurred somewhat, it is still broadly a separate profession. Um, and I'll describe it as this. So in the United States, you have an attorney who will pretty much deal with all of your case for you. And when it goes to trial, they will have what they refer to as a trial lawyer, which is still an attorney. And there's no huge distinction, but just someone who is experienced enough to go and do the trial in the UK in England and Wales, we make that distinction between solicitors and barristers. The barrister is the trial lawyer and the solicitor broadly, broadly does everything else. And I'm, I'm being very careful not to disrespect anybody because um, you get you can get very, very good solicitors who are far better than very junior barristers. Um, so I'm just I'm, I'm being diplomatic, but that that is the way that it is. Um, one broad distinction is is when you qualify and become a practicing barrister, you have automatically full rights of audience up to the Supreme Court, which solicitors do not. Um, conversely, solicitors can conduct litigation, which is a, a fancy way of saying filing things in court and filing official documents and receiving official documents. And barristers mm -hmm. cannot by default. Uh, we have to take an, an additional 
extension to our practicing certificate. So I'm one of only around a thousand barristers in the UK that do that. So I right. conduct litigation as well. Um, there's okay. a few more distinctions, but that's the that's the broad explanation. So people recognize a barrister, as I say, when you see the wig and gown, which is behind me, uh, hanging up there, and the wig is on oh. the stand. <laughs> so uh, Very cool. wig, wig and gowns, that's how you recognize a barrister. Um, and yeah. solicitor advocates, it yeah. gets even more complicated. Say again? You don't need hair. You can disguise and not having hair. No, absolutely. Hair, I can blend but... right in. <laughs> yeah. Not that I want to assume that you would rather have more more hair nor that sean would want to have more hair himself you might both be happy without the hair but you could disguise with the wig if you wanted it's in, no interesting i i actually did a, a video just recently on black belt secrets because that's where my sort of personal views and opinions come in about mm. this very issue because it is still medically described as alopecia and obviously with the Oscars and, um, you know, Jada Pinkett Smith and all, all, all of that with Will Smith and the slap and so on. Um, you know, some people think it's real. Some people think it isn't real. I'm not going to comment which way or the other. But um, either way, the issue of alopecia came to the forefront. And what is referred to as uh, male pattern baldness or balding mm -hmm. is actually alopecia. Only we refer wow. to it differently. And so, um, you know, whether it's hereditary or in my case, it was sort of, I think it was sort of part hereditary and part a salon burnt my head um, sort of 15 years ago. Uh, and it didn't really grow back after that. So I just cut the rest of it off uh, and made it my style. But um, I did the video to bring quite, you know, quite frank attention to it, because as you can probably tell, it doesn't bother me. Um, I talk about it openly and I've had jokes about it. I laugh about it. I don't care. It doesn't matter. Um, but for a lot of people, I, I can absolutely see it's, it's a real it's a real problem. Just just as it's dealing with a, a legal case and a legal issue. And, you know, I, um, I'll put it bluntly, you know, I, I see everybody uh, is just as susceptible as turning turning to tears when they go to court. You know, it doesn't matter how uh, big and strong you are, male or female, you could be reduced to tears when you go to court because it's such an overwhelming experience. Yeah. Then that the the boldness thing is is that the alopecia because people some people can't take it and or, or feel very sensitive about it. I mean, Larry David writes mm -hmm. a lot. Do you ever watch Larry David stuff comedy? He's he boldness is like a central theme of his comedy, being bold himself. Yeah, I think I have. Yeah, I think there's 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 one one or two that have have, have done that, and um, mm. I think I think for a lot of people that they, they will take it on as part of their um, almost identity because. I think you can do one of two things, and I'm I'm a I'm a positivity person. Uh, you know, I, I always look at how do we move forward? How do we move forward positively? What's the objective? What are you trying to achieve? And I'm always moving forward, and so I just take it as part of my identity. It's like, oh well, that's well, that's the way it is. Move on, you know, carry on, get on Screw with it. it. And yeah. Um, I, yeah. yeah, you have to. And I Own so it. I I literally make it part of the identity, and uh, it. I think if you if you let it bother you, it holds you back. I think you've got to find a way of moving forward. Um, like Jada, Jada uh, said, you know, she just took took to the fact that she cut her hair short and and lived with it. And um, absolutely right. That's that's the way that I dealt with it. Um, mm. I think the same is true for lots of different things. Yeah. Oh, fair enough. Fair enough. And let's move from one uh, Hollywood celeb to another. Um, should we start with Kevin Spacey, maybe? And guys in the in the thingy on the side, if you've got questions, do you know ask away, and we'll try and get to them and all that. But what what's actually? Because we all know, I mean, most of us know about allegations going on, roughly. Mm -hmm. But would you be able to summarise what what can actually be said about what he is alleged to have done? 
Um, I'm not going to go into too many specifics, but it's it, it's essentially um, the, the the charges of uh, assaults of a certain kind. I won't say for your YouTube channel for because you um, certain words and stuff, but um, they're they're a type of type of assault, man on man, if you will, that um, that are usually um, taken very seriously. Um, there are two counts in this case, um, dating back to 2005 and 2008, um, without consent, and so they are they are taken fairly seriously. Um, and of course, in the UK, there's there's no time limit on such things. I know there's statutes of limitations in various jurisdictions. Um, in the UK, for such offences, there are no uh, limitations. There's for summary only offences. There's a six, a, you know, fairly strict uh, six month time limit. So, you know, one day beyond six months and it's out of time. But this this could be 30, 40 years old, and it would it could still be. Uh, charged, and that's what's happened here. Um, I mean, he's voluntarily appeared, which is worth adding um, in the UK for his first appearance. Um, with such, so there's a mix of offences, but because the more serious one goes to the Crown Court, he's going to the Crown Court. So the way it works in in, in England and Wales, I will say, is um, if there's an offence serious enough to go to the Crown Court, they all go to the Crown Court. If they are linked, which in this case they are because they're the same kind of nature, so they're all going to the Crown Court. Uh, so his first appearance was literally literally that. It's you, you turn up, you say, I'm here, and you hear um what you know what the allegations are. And there's an actually there's an interesting um I don't know how much uh, your audience is interesting in the trivia, but you'll you'll get it one way or the other and we'll we'll know in the comments. Let us know in, in the comments if you like the trivia, because there's tons of it. If you don't like it, I'll stop it. But <laughs> the trivia is this. Um your first most people will be aware of the the notion of um credit for pleading guilty and a credit for an early plea and so the the essence of that is the earlier you say yes it was me you get a bigger reduction on any sentence that you would otherwise get and it starts as a, a third to a quarter then it goes all the way down to well to nothing when you get to trial the idea behind that is one to save the court time and money, but also to sort of reward the honesty about having committed an offence. Now, the trivia is this: the first opportunity to formally enter a plea is is not the first opportunity to indicate that you're likely to plead guilty if you wanted to attract the um, the discount off your sentence. And there's appeal. Uh, judgments to to back this up. So, if you're going to formally enter your plea in the Crown Court, as in the case of Kevin Spacey, the the magistrate's court appearance would just be to indicate what you're likely to plead, and there is literally a box to check to say intends to plead guilty or not guilty. And in this case, of course, not guilty, and it's going to the Crown Court. Um, at which point he will formally enter. It, I expect, um, you know, unless there's a drastic change uh, of heart before then, um, a not guilty plea. But um, on the face of it, that's all we know. So he's been charged with these two things, um, which are both aged from 2005, 2008, and uh, pleaded not guilty. But I think the important bit here, I say it's important because, um, because of, I think because he's voluntarily appeared there's 
by inference, there is no risk that he won't turn up for the next hearing. So he's got unconditional bail, which is is relatively rare in cases such as this. Um, and by unconditional bail, it just means there's there's no conditions attached to it. It's just, you know, go away and come back next time. And ordinarily, it's, you know, the, the, there's big objections to bail, which is there's likely to interfere with witnesses, likely to commit further offences, and likely to fail to surrender for the next court appearance. Those are the three big objections. But clearly, there's no, there's no glaring objection uh, for the court. So they've granted him unconditional bail. I thought that was interesting. And that's about all we know so far. Well, that's that seems yeah almost counterintuitive because you'd think the average person can't afford really to just go off to. The, I mean, is is that the fear that he'd go off to the Caribbean and never be heard from again? Whereas he yeah, essentially could yeah. do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Essentially, but but because he's he's come to the UK and voluntarily turned up for the hearing, the wow. argument was, of course, that well he he turned up, he showed up. So there's no suggestion. There's no, there's no evidential basis that he's mm. not going to come back. Uh, mm. So that was, that was satisfactory for the court. From his perspective, why does he, why did he turn up in the UK? Couldn't he just stay in the US and go, no, what would happen? Well, the, the, there is the, the prospect of extradition and, mm. you know, that that would take its own path, but I think the the more pressing, um, apart from the pragmatic, but the more the more pressing issue is that this this would then forever hang over him, would it not? Because yeah. if he if he's been charged with it here, but doesn't turn up to face those charges, it would forever uh, ha hang over him as something that he was accused of doing and ne never cleared his name for. So I strongly suspect, and this is not quite venturing into opinion territory just yet, but I strongly suspect that he wants to clear his name and that's why yeah. he's volunteering to the proceedings because I, I, you know, I think that to, to surrender to them is, is certainly indicative of, of trying cooperating with the, the proceedings and ultimately to, to face those charges and clear his name or, or not as the case might be. Hey, it's Andrew. If you're enjoying Heretics, there's another podcast I want to recommend to you, especially if climate change, global conflicts and an upcoming election are making you feel like we're on the brink of disaster. What Could Go Right is hosted by Progress Network founder Zachary Carabell and executive director Emma Varvalukas. On What Could Go Right, the hosts sit down with expert guests to discuss the world's most pressing issues without resorting to pessimism or despair that we hear so often. Instead, they look back at how far society has come and look forward at what it will take to achieve an even brighter future. Is progress on the way? They may not have all the answers, but on what could go right, they're asking the key questions. Tune in to hear interviews with upcoming guests like writer Coleman Hughes, CNN host Fareed Zakaria, and economist Alison Schrager. If you're looking for a weekly dose of optimistic ideas from smart people, join them every Wednesday on What Could Go Right, available wherever you get your podcasts. A few decades ago, private citizens used to be largely that, private. What's changed? 
the internet. Think about everything you've browsed, searched for, watched or tweeted. Now imagine all of that data being crawled through, collected and aggregated by third parties into a permanent public record. Your record. Having your private life exposed for others to see was once something only celebrities worried about, but in an era where everyone is online, everyone is a public figure. To keep my data private when I go online, I turn to ExpressVPN. Did you know there are hundreds of data brokers out there whose sole business is to buy and sell your data? The worst part is they don't have to tell you who they're selling it to or get your consent. One of these data points is your IP address. Data harvesters use your IP to uniquely identify you and your location. But with ExpressVPN, my connection gets rerouted through an encrypted server and my IP address is masked. Every time I turn ExpressVPN on, I'm given a random IP address shared by other ExpressVPN customers. That makes it more difficult for third parties to identify me and harvest my data. And the best part is how easy ExpressVPN is to use. No matter what device you're on, phone, laptop or smart TV, all you have to do is tap one button to get protected. So if, like me, you believe that your data is your business, secure yourself with the number one rated VPN on the market. Visit expressvpn.com heretics and get three extra months for free. That's expressvpn.com slash heretics. Go to expressvpn.com slash heretics to learn more. I suppose this is a problem maybe with media reporting or due process, but it hadn't even entered my mind that he might be able to clear his name or that he might not have done these things. Uh, and I bet I'm speaking on behalf of most people. Is that, do you, is that a problem? Do you think that's a problem that people like me, it's not even entered our minds? Um, you mean it? You mean in the sense that you've you've read it, therefore it yeah. you feel that it seems to be true, therefore. Um, I, I think it's because of that. I mean, with, with great respect to you, I think it's because of that that he needs to do this yeah. uh, to, to clear his name. Because um, I'm not going to mention any names from history, but if I were to mention certain names from history, certain things come to your mind because of, what they've been accused of doing and i think because of that you you sort of absolutely have to face them and clear your name so that otherwise if you if you don't do that you you can you can never or they can never say that they they were cleared of it and but to answer your question uh, properly um it's only a problem in so much as the public perception and when it comes to a jury trial which this obviously will be um I have faith in the jury system, and I know there's, there's, there are criticisms of the jury system. People say that you know they're unqualified and so on and so forth. But there is also this um, imperfection in the system, even if you follow the letter of the law and the letter of the procedure. Because, and I and I'll give you an example. So if you um, if you had an so take you know take it as read that you have an absolute slam dunk case, but there's one golden bit of evidence that you just don't produce in court because you don't think it's relevant or conversely there's another bit of evidence that you think is fine but actually it's damaging to your case even though it gives the wrong impression and so the result is you lose even though as i said take it as read that you had an absolute slam dunk case that's not well in, in one sense or another that's not proper justice is it because you think well you were right so, you know, in this scenario, we are assuming you are right, 100%, no question, you are right. But the system and the way the system works meant that you lost the case. 
And that's the system and the procedure and the evidence and, and all the rest of it. So that's the system. Then when you've got a punishable offense, particularly a serious one, we call upon the jury to fill in those gaps and say, well, this is what they say happened. This is what we say as defense. Mm -hmm. What do you think? And we leave that to a jury because we, we like the jury to be unanimous. And it's only with the judges say so that they can reduce it to, you know, a majority, which is rare in itself. Uh, I see someone in the comments saying common law. Um, yes, in a, in a sense. Now, there's there's, uh, there's a, a broad discussion on common law, which a lot of people misunderstand common law. A lot of people think common law and the system and statutes and legislation are different things. And that's not quite true. Um, common law is the collective decisions of judges interpreting and applying the law to new cases, which may be compounding old common law onto new cases. So, so like, you know, murder, for example, is still a common law offence. It was decided within a, a case itself in court. Uh, obviously, it's been updated since then. There's various other types of, um, you know, homicide and, and so on um, captured within legislation. But new cases decided form new common law, but they work together as a body of law with legislation. So I was just picking up on one of the comments there. That was all. Um, because a lot of people do... Um, draw the distinction between court cases and, and process and legislation and think they're different so right well into, i'm interested actually in the chat and, and what people do think because uh, in in terms of you know with with a jury coming up of course and that is one of the criticisms that there could be some bias because of the media i mean how many people I, I reckon put put a one if you um Put a one if you if if you're just sure that Kevin Spacey did do these crimes, and put a two if you're open to the idea that maybe he didn't. I'm just interested in in how that in how that goes. Mm. So I just think most of us are just convinced, and 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 I just feel like he. I just, and and I'm, just, I'm going to ask you as well. Just going back to the the crimes you talked about, mm -hmm. um, yeah, without consent. Now, does that mean that he was forceful with somebody? Or does that mean that he it was somebody who was un, too young to give their consent? Uh, well, it could be either. And it, it doesn't necessarily mean with force either. Because, you know, if, um, let's say, I'm sat next to you right now and I, I use your mobile phone without your consent, there's no real, there's no force involved in that. And let's say you're too shy to tell me to stop and i just use your phone i'm using your phone without consent so there's not necessarily any force involved if people can follow okay, follow yeah. the, the analogy um <clears throat> it just means that but you're right yes either consent wasn't freely given or uh, was not of capacity to to provide mm -hmm. that and different um don't google this anybody <laughs> but different jurisdictions have different ages for such things but don't google it you'll end up on a list <laughs> um, but um, you know uh, yes it could mean a lot of different things but the the one thing i will say and again i'm not i'm not venturing into opinion and, and giving my opinion either way on, on kevin spacey here but what i would say to those that are absolutely sure that that he did this what i would say to you is you don't know because you haven't seen the evidence and you cannot know for sure. The only way you would know for sure if you heard all the evidence presented and then all the defense to rebut that evidence 
and then come to a decision. And that's why we trust the jury. That's right, the only way yeah. you can be sure. I've because, got two two parts of my head now. I've got one of them's yeah. going like what you've just said is the right thing, and then the mm. other, the more emotional side is yeah, going, yeah, but he did it. It must which be true, why, yeah, yeah. I know. E yeah, exactly. And and every and that's the that's the point. And I I've described it a number of ways in in the past, and the best way that I can I come to is this: when when you watch, or when you hear rather, when you hear the the prosecution case, which is both the opening and the the evidence of each of the witnesses that they call and any other evidence uh, that, they, that they bring, CCTV and so on and so forth. When you hear the whole of the prosecution case, you should be absolutely convinced they are right. This happened. And then you think, don't need to hear anymore. You, you should be convinced in a good case, you know, in a good in a case that should have been brought, you should be convinced. However, then you hear the defense case and they cross-examine the witnesses and they challenge the evidence and they put doubts in your mind and they they robustly defend it. You should then be equally convinced that there's no way that this happened. Yeah. And so yeah. there's no way this is true. This just didn't happen. And then you go back to the jury room and you should be left in the position of thinking, what on earth do we think now? Because you should have, you know, both both clearly and fiercely fought positions that you then have to fill in the blanks and that that's when you know you've got a fair trial and yeah. so one of the well, things well, we would well, go on sorry go, on, go ahead oh no you were gonna i want to hear what you want to say i was i was just going to follow that up with um one thing we that we often say to clients is when you hear the evidence against you whether it's civil or criminal people get just as upset about civil trials as they do criminal trials, more more so in some cases um we say you'll be really upset when you hear the the case against you. So be prepared for that. Mm. You know, people think they won't, but you see, we, we say, you know, be prepared to be upset when you hear the case against you. But remember, you've got your turn afterwards. Yeah, no, of course. And if, if Kevin Spacey, you know, what could happen to him? Is it a worse crime if because it's an underage person is this, i mean the sentence in terms of a sentence and what might yeah what do you I, I guess it's speculation but what could happen if he if he's found guilty yeah i mean if if it if it were as serious as that and and that's found to be the case and let's let's say it all goes against him then yeah it could be a, a significant sentence it could be a significant custodial sentence and you know it's, it's likely and so the a sentence can only be suspended meaning they don't go directly to prison if it's uh, under two years uh, and it's suspended for, you know, up to, you know, two years. And so it, they don't go to prison uh, immediately, you know, unless they commit a further offense, in which case they usually go to prison for the original one and the new one. Um, but this would likely, if, if all of that were borne out and he was found guilty, then he'd like, it'd likely be significantly north of two years. So it wouldn't be suspended. So it, there wouldn't be an option really of, of sending him to prison oh but as i say you know i think a lot of people do jump to the conclusion um be, and i'm going to be i'm going to go on a very slight cliff edge and say i think a lot of people jump to conclusions because of the nature of the offense and they think well mm. it's this is so bad therefore you know they can't possibly accuse someone of that unless unless it really happened but for those that are sure let me tell you this um obviously i can't give any 
uh, and I, I would never give any specific details, but uh, I'm involved in, I've been involved in lots of family cases where equally grotesque uh, accusations are made falsely and they are just not true. So these, these accusations are made and there's no merit behind them whatsoever. So for those of you that are sure, uh, I'm telling you, you can't be sure. You really can't. I guess it's the amount, it's the number of people as well, isn't it? The accusers. I think there was sort of one initial person, then there were 15 others came out, and then three men in the UK have come out. Mm. But I, I suppose they, you, you could say they're jumping on, it's possible they could be jumping on some sort of bandwagon. Potentially, yeah. I mean, as I say, I mean, I'm not, I'm not exactly, you know, jumping up as defense advocate here. I'm, I'm remaining neutral. Mm -hmm. But what, what, what I am saying is, um, you know, there will be there will be a case against him. There will be a, a case in defense. There always is. Um, but and, and until that determination, no one can be sure. Uh, and you can say, you know, you could you could take that with the, the, the Depp Heard trial. You know, a lot of people were so sure. A lot of people were so sure because of the UK verdict but then obviously completely overturned their views because of the, the VA verdict. So, you know, um, mm. and you know what, I want to get to that, happens. but I want to get yeah. to, to Bill Cosby first, because it's another, uh, name that we've not spoken about so much on this, on this channel. Obviously we've done mm. a bit, quite a bit of herd and death, although I do want to get onto that. Um, again, what is the latest with, with Bill Cosby? Cause I, I, I sort of read his Wikipedia and it's quite confusing to me about what seems to be going on. So in layman's terms, what, what's going on? Um, yeah, so again, sort of limiting the language for YouTube so as not to limit your, your video, but um, in essence, in I mean, this goes back to 1975, um, we're the 16-year-old at the time, and um, that lady who, uh, when made the allegation uh, and the case came to trial was 64 years old, so you can you can see the difference in the, in the time frame there. Um, and there was a a bit of a legal uh, technicality as to why the limitations were overridden, because again, in in the UK there is no limitation for such things, but um, in the US there normally is. Uh, but that was overridden for on technical uh, legal grounds, um, and ultimately, ultimately this was uh, a civil trial, not a criminal trial. But because there's a, there's a there's a parallel between there's almost always a parallel between um, civil and criminal allegations and, and and cases so just on a brief tangent so people follow that because it's relevant to this trial um the best explanation is someone damages your car so it's criminal because it's criminal damage but there's a civil claim because you've got to repair the car so there's a, a monetary value to repair the car but it's criminal if it's criminal damage um Interestingly enough, you can't criminally damage your own property. Uh, so if you yeah. smash your own phone up, it's not criminal. <laughs> um, so in, the, in this case, um, and it's probably also useful to explain that a civil trial is normally there to just provide damages, which means money to compensate or to, uh, to rectify the wrong, if you like. Uh, and in the States, you have punitive damages as well for certain things like defamation uh, where where someone has done something with malice, which doesn't quite mean what everyone thinks it does, but we'll get back to that. Um, but in such cases where someone has done something deliberately wrong like that, there are punitive damages and the punitive bit is designed to punish the person. So there's compensatories to 
obviously compensate the person. Punitive is to punish the person. Um, but ultimately, all, all, all civil damages are designed to uh, provide a compensation of some form. And so in this case, as I understand it, there's a half a million pound uh, award uh, for this particular aged offence, uh, which again just goes to to prove that um, these, these things can can come back many years later. Um, I mean, of course, this, this was on top of, um, there were three counts of um, assault some years ago, but they were overturned. And this again, I mean, this comes, this comes to a point, a lot of, a lot of people are not, um, are not necessarily convinced when it's overturned on a, um, on a technicality. So, you know, let's say, um, let, let's say someone accused of a crime gets gets the conviction overturned on a, a real technicality of the uh, the the let's say the evidence and the the chain of custody or something like because it's a common one. If there's a break in the chain of custody, then they go to the court of appeal and they say there's no way you can prove this was the same thing. And it most likely was, but that's not beyond any reasonable doubt, is it? So, um, but that's what happened to him some years ago. But obviously, this this is the latter latter one of those. So ultimately, he's he's found guilty of that. Hmm. And did he have to pay then five hundred thousand dollars? Yes, it's a half. As I understand it, it's a half a million uh, dollar uh, compensation. Hmm. Which um, and, and and then and then prison as well, or it's just because money? What's money to him? I, I have no idea, but he could have millions. Well, that that's yeah, I, I presume so, and that's that's what a lot of people find um, difficult to accept because. A lot of people say it's just money. Well, that's all the civil courts can impose. If you want the criminal trial, then you know, a uh, in the states, you again, you've got this lim certain limitations, uh, and b is a diff different standard of proof. So, I would reasonably suspect that if if it were a full blown criminal trial, in any sense, uh, in any case, there's going to be a far more difficult burden to overcome than a civil trial because of the burden of proof. So, and, and again, there's a trivia for you. Um, do tell me in the comments if I'm boring you with the legal trivia, but there's a, there's a, there's an interesting legal trivia here. But if, if someone is tried in the criminal courts in England and Wales uh, and found not guilty, you can still go to the civil court and assert that they were guilty. And so, um, again, taking the car scenario, let's say someone scratched your car. Let's say they were found not guilty of criminal damage to your car, but you're really annoyed about it. And so you sue them in the civil courts for the money to repair your car. You can say to the court, you know, you're on, a, on the balance of probabilities, this, this defendant did commit this offense and did damage my car. And you can use the fact that they were tried in the criminal courts as part of your evidence and say that, you know, the, hmm. the crown felt that there was a case against them and they wouldn't have done so unless it felt that, that there was sufficient evidence to, to bring a, you know, to bring about a conviction and therefore on the balance of probabilities, they did do it. Therefore I want my money. <laughs> so That's it's, it's an interesting trivia that you could, there's a, this overlap between civil and criminal. So I read that in 2005 in the civil court, you know, he he admitted that he was using quaaludes drugs on 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 women, um, 
which is a horrific crime. It must be. So mm. why has he not been prosecuted in criminal court? I, I can't answer that. I don't have an answer for that. Uh, it, it, it must only be that either time limits or inadmissibility of what they say was a confession and how the confession came about there's there's probably there's lots of technicalities i'd have to read into that to give you a proper answer because it is it's particularly of all of all these crimes and you don't want to create a hierarchy of crimes or anything like that but it's mm. particularly egregious what he's alleged to have done but mm. you know especially when he was like that family face wasn't he bill cosby i grew up watching yeah. all that stuff and Amer america's nice dad guy. as he was known yeah yeah it was very much yeah. the jimmy savile of of the us in that in that sense i suppose yeah Hmm. yeah so yeah. no I, I agree with you um but then when you get um when you get the notion that it's particularly egregious then the the, the more severe it is the, the higher the burden of proof so again when it came about with um because a, a confession can unusually can be unusually is hearsay so it depends how the confession came about as well because if he, hearsay is um Again, legal trivia, but hearsay is anything that is not said in oral evidence, which is truth of the matter stated. So I could write down, I could write down on a piece of paper, I I damaged the car. And if you bring it as evidence, it's hearsay because you're trying to prove the truth that I damaged the car. If I get to court and say, no, I didn't. And you say, yeah, well, yeah, you did because you, you wrote down on this piece of paper that you damaged the car. And I say, no, I didn't. That's hearsay. That doesn't that doesn't prove that I did it. It's only proof that I wrote that down. Uh, and then you know some people will well surely you did it because you wrote it down. But I can tell you again, you can't be sure because I've been in situations like this before now. And uh, long story short, the reason the guy said it or wrote it was because somebody said they were going to kill his wife and children if he didn't. So you can't okay. be sure. And presumably, suddenly, is that why? Um, I presumably I could talk, I imagine, about something like I could say, Oh, talk about drug use or something that I did 10 years ago or whatever, but I'd never really get you know, uh, uh prosecuted for it because I'd just be like, No, I just said that, yeah, essentially, yeah. Because if you if you don't say in court, and the only way that they know that you did it is because someone else heard you say it or you know, they could give your, they, this is where these um, aged allegations come into court where someone comes forward and says, this happened and they become a witness. Now, if it's one person, it's what we call word against word. It's just one person against another. And there's almost always a reasonable doubt that they're just lying. But when you've got something else, and, you know, as you say, many more people coming forward, only if their accounts sort of stack up and, and corroborate, then potentially it, it can work. But aged allegations are notoriously difficult to prove, mm. uh, particularly to the criminal standard, which is technically a, beyond a reasonable doubt, but it's now described as being uh, so that the jury are sure that it happened just to help the jury understand what it really means you've got to be sure not just not just nearly sure not just well more you near know, more likely and you know that sort of thing it's got to be absolutely sure no doubt yeah so we found ourselves in a situation where a very powerful man has been raping um 
the women with drugs and force and different kinds, you know, for years, and it's mm. just free to walk the streets. Allegedly, it's all allegedly, I guess. Uh, essentially, yeah. I mean, that's 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 the uh, that's the allegation, and um, you know, I've no doubt that that that's not the only uh, instance. There's there's probably, sadly, a, a great many cases like that, and mm. so they they go they go unheard. And it's this whole principle of being unheard that has made certain recent trials so popular to talk about because suddenly everyone's talking about it. And um, I, I, I certainly know a lot of people message me and say that they watch because this happened to them or they've been accused. And I've had a lot, you know, lots of emails that people's lives been turned upside down for two or three years whilst they're accused of something. Mm. only for it all to fall away at the end and you know sorry about that but it's two or three years of their life i mean the average um you know rape case that that goes through the courts of england and wales takes up to four years to um to to come to trial and imagine that having you know the 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 complainant slash victim uh waiting around for four years to bring that to court, to give evidence, to only to relive it all over again—it's it's horrendous. Yeah. I've got a, now a you know, question I mean, from people sorry. do make false yeah. allegations, but um, you know, by, by and large, when when there's enough evidence to bring the case, it's you know, it's diff it's difficult to um, you know, the the, the conviction rate is um, you know, it's not it's not below fifty percent, put it that way. Mm. <laughs> so they, yeah. they 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 think carefully before they bring a case. Yeah, that that's interesting. Um, a conviction rate. How how did Cosby get out of prison? Asks Keza ninety one. So he was in prison, Cosby. Uh, yeah, I don't know actually. Um, hmm. I have to look into that one. I'm just looking now. Um, I, I, I think there was there was a, it was a technicality. There was um, he overturned the verdict because um, it was it was obviously the old one. Um, it will come to me in a minute. Yeah, it's, yeah. Some sort of technicality. His lawyer said we knew all along he shouldn't have been prosecuted for this. Cosby tweeted, "I have never changed my stance nor my story. I've always maintained my innocence. I'm not having that. I'm not having it." Um, he was initially convicted of drugging and sexually assaulting accuser. Uh, well, I won't say next. Maybe she doesn't want to be. Yeah, I guess it was some sort of technicality. It was it was done. I, I read it before and I didn't really understand. It was all just it was mad to me. It was all like Yeah. Like um, mm. I I do remember reading it and now I can't remember what it was. It was a a technicality from what I remember, but as I say, it'll come to me in a minute. That's outrageous, isn't it? Do you think they go easier on, you know, because he is um in his mid eighties, he's got problems apparently with memory and recollection. Do you think um do you think they go a little easier sometimes? Do they think, oh, we don't need to prosecute this person properly or, or something? Well, they certainly shouldn't. Um, I mean, that, that shouldn't bear any any real um, hmm. any change change on the way they approach the case at all. It should just be uh, a, a case for what it is. Um, the only the only time that would um, make make a difference is if they were not competent to give evidence or to face the trial or um or when they're being sentenced it might make a difference uh, as a mitigating factor uh for, for sentence but um 
Certainly not with the approach to the case. Right. Yeah. I did. I just wondered about that because um, it is hard not to think about that. I suppose someone's really old. You're going, oh, just yeah. You know, what's he going to do now? You know. Are you. I can see you're looking. Are you? You're reading. Yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm reading sort of very quickly what this what this was. Um, A lot of pressure. A lot of pressure. Yeah. So I'm reading here from. Sky News, which I normally trust. His lawyers argued during the appeal hearing that the Montgomery County District Attorney should not have charged him in 2015 uh, because he held the previous DA job, decided not to file criminal charges in the case and issued a press release announcing the decision. Previous refusal to prosecute meant he couldn't avoid testifying. To... Yeah, it was. I think it was an... It was a confusion over making a statement that they weren't going to do something, then did it anyway. And so there was there was an overturn because of that, from what I can read. Yeah, it's it's a technicality. Oh, it's mad. The whole the whole that see that part of law. I get it. I get why that exists, but it's pretty mad. We've got some time left. I want to move on to Amber Heard and Johnny mm -hmm. Depp. What actually happened in the end? Because we were so on it. Everyone was like obsessed <laughs> with it. And then once sort of the results came out, so to speak, it was sort of, I think people weren't even properly reading it. It was just like, ah, well, she seems terrible, is what I think most people were saying. What, what yeah. actually happened? So, I mean, in a nutshell, the jury didn't believe a word she said. That's probably the simplest way of putting it. Um, every lawyer I've spoken to says she was just completely not credible. Her evidence didn't stack up. Uh, too many inconsistencies, too many contradictions, um, even down to the, um, as lawyers, we don't like to lean too much on body language because we prefer evidence. We prefer to uh, look at evidence. So therefore I lean on the behavior panel because I would never fault them with their, you know, so many decades of experience in, in uh, you know, resistance to interrogation and body language experts, world renowned. If you if you don't know them, go check them out. Um, they all stake their reputation that she's being deceitful. And so I'd stake mine on trusting theirs because uh, I work with people like them in the UK, um, ex-special forces and so on. And I trust what they say. I trust their, their judgments. And so even from the body language aspect, she was being deceitful. But from the um, the evidential point of view, there's so many inconsistencies, there's so many contradictions. Um, you know, if I if I were to say to you um, that I injured my left knee, I would I would point to my left knee while I'm talking about the injury, which which is true. I injured it the other week. Um, oh. One example was when she was talking about the phone, and she she gestured to I think it was this side of the face when it was this side that was injured for example and um there's, there's so many so many different uh contradictions yeah. in the evidence and the jury just didn't believe it and again this is why i say we trust juries because they fill in the blanks they 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 hear both sides because they are independent and they hear both sides of the arguments and then they make they make a decision they decide who they would think was more credible a large part of it i think was because she didn't take any accountability for anything she did. Whereas Johnny Depp said, yeah, yeah, I did, I did get, I did get drunk. I did smash up the furniture, but, but I didn't do that. Mm. Whereas she that wouldn't take any I'm of really that. skeptical of all the behavior stuff. And I, and also I'm just saying it to be devil's advocate because I know they are really mm. popular. The behavior panel, uh, I know Eric Hunley comes on here and talks about that stuff as well, but the behavior mm. panel on here as well. But I mean, I mean the Amanda Knox case, and I know everyone's going to shout at me in the, in the, thing and you can i don't mind everyone shouting at me mm. but i don't think she did that and 
I think the behavior, she did behave like she did, but I don't think she did it. Do you know what I mean? And is, is, isn't mm. that where we can go a bit wrong with that stuff? It, it can. Um, and this is why I think we look for patterns and it's all, it's the same with evidence. So I use the analogy with evidence as they do with behavior. Um, cause I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't profess to be a behavior expert, although I, I know when someone's lying, put it that way. Um, but I wouldn't hold myself out as a behavior expert. I would hold myself out as being an expert looking at the evidence, of course. So the analogy is not just when you see it once, you know, if someone looks down when they say something, it doesn't mean they're lying to you. Whereas looking down is associated with dishonesty, but it's like playing poker when you've got a tell, when there's a certain pattern that somebody does every time that they, that they are, on their baseline, as as they call it, their normal response to something. And then when they only deviate with certain types of questions and they deviate in ways that they expect to associate with dishonesty and there's a whole pattern of them, a cluster of them happening together, they come to the conclusion. And it's the same with evidence. It's like if you, if you just happen to mix up a few dates, but it's it's obvious that you're just not a date person. You get dates wrong all the time, like I do. I'm I'm hopeless at remembering birthdays, but page numbers I'm great with. I and paragraph numbers, you know, I can literally tell you, you know, like you know, paragraph five, seven, six of the lower court judgment and what you know bits of what it says and, and stuff like this. Whereas, you know, there's a pattern of behavior, there's a pattern of evidence. And when people present with that, um, pattern of inconsistency and things like that um it, it stand it, it just stands out and it, it becomes really clear so when you've seen it so many times you just know because the the pattern is there the pattern is established and that's why i trust the behavior panel it's not it's not because they say well aha there's a textbook that says when they do this this and this they're lying it's not as simple as that. It's a whole cluster and decades of experience. Mm -hmm. And so the same is when we look at evidence and patterns of evidence and patterns of inconsistency, damage to credibility. And we look at all those as around collectively. We can say their story doesn't add up. Story doesn't add up because, the, you know, um, they probably have had you know half a dozen or a dozen photos in this trial some of which were repeats and have been proven to be repeats or edited and so on i injured my knee because i tripped over something that was negligently left there i've probably got near nearly a hundred photographs of my knee healing because it was quite a horrific injury probably mm -hmm. probably nearly a hundred photos just over six weeks or so and that's only because i'm suing them <laughs> yeah. you know because i shouldn't have been there um if this was something so, so serious, and I remember I've been in cases where people have genuinely had their head caved in by their partner, um, and there's you know blood everywhere and, and so on, uh, and you know we have to look through that evidence. There's a lot more. It, it, someone like me who's doing these cases, this was not a credible story. It just there's yeah. the odd bruise here and there. It just it doesn't doesn't stack up. It really doesn't stack Lack up. And photos, 
yeah, it just lack lack of everything. I mean, she when you think of what she did take photographs of, she took photographs of the floor, she took photographs of the table, she took photographs of the mirror, and but not much else. And she she recorded him smashing up the, the you know cabinets. Well, I was going to say smashing up, hitting the cabinets, break you know throwing a bottle, uh, but but nothing else. And so you know I've been in cases um, where one party has given a you know a firm account of what's happened but then my clients produced an audio recording an hour and a half long showing everything that happened that evening and it's completely not it's completely the reverse and the you know, the point is that people people can produce this evidence when they want to and i know it's an argument elaine made the argument you know what do we do now when people don't you know if you don't have evidence then you know no one's going to believe you well no that's not necessarily it but you you might not have the photographic evidence, but you know you will you will tell somebody or someone will see it, and even if they don't see it because you're hiding at home, someone will notice that you're missing. They'll come looking for you, or they'll no, they'll note that you didn't come into work, or you avoided you know you avoided your friends. There's a whole pattern that follows, and police reports. So another case. I mean, this is just these are just I've got so many examples, but. Another example was um, my my client's partner said that she had uh, severe brain injuries because he was uh, assaulting her, and you know she was re receiving treatment from the hospital and so on and so forth. There was no medical evidence whatsoever. She'd never been scanned. There was no documentary evidence. There was no visit reports. Nothing. And so we got to court, and we just said, well there is no evidence of this nothing yeah no photographs of injuries no medical reports no doctor's notes absolutely nothing and so obviously not proven because yeah. it's, well, it teaches not you, doesn't it? if something happens you take loads of photos of your knee mm. um, i've got a good a good little uh, comment here from jackie trailer yeah. saying amanda knox definitely had something to do with it i was very close to meredith's family I know them well, Meredith being the, vic the English victim. I grew up with her sister Stephanie. That's quite remarkable, really. Um, and thank you for the comment. I, I always, I don't think she, I got quite friendly with Amanda myself, and she just seems so nice and smiley mm. and lovely. I know that's not proof of anything, but she hasn't exactly reoffended. So I don't know. Well, there is that human element to it when you can, you 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 can sometimes judge someone by their their character alone, but. When when you want to make a serious decision on something, you you do have to look at everything in the round, and so you you've either got evidence to support something or or you don't, and so not not having the evidence is is almost evidence itself. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was just such a complicated one. That whole. Mm. Did you ever watch? Did you watch the Amanda Knox Netflix documentary? I didn't. I don't think. Oh, it's good. It's good because it gets you now. believing she did it, and then halfway yeah. through, it starts to unravel, and you're like, yeah. "Oh no, they've taken her for she didn't. She wasn't involved in this at all." So yeah. Annie says, "I absolutely believe her." And there you go. So I, it's all it's like fifty fifty, really. Crazy. Yeah, and and that's that's a, a good way of putting it with the, uh, the the civil versus criminal because a civil trial is literally fifty fifty and tip the balance. 51% goes in one direction than the other. So it's literally more likely than not. Whereas criminal, there's no percentages. I mean, there's no percentage at, at all, but um, 
civil is more likely than not but the more serious the higher that should go but criminal is you've got to be sure because if we're going to punish somebody for it you've got to be sure yeah. about it yeah she spent four years line. in prison yeah Crazy. and so if you get you know you get someone out of prison after years and then say oops sorry about that well no sorry you've taken out from you know four percent of your life if you live to 100 you know so yeah oh horrible yeah. that yeah really, it is really bad but it was just i mean the dna was inconsequential it was just uh, not enough shouldn't have been you know charged in the first place or at least not convicted but going back to um amanda heard and johnny depp and all that so mm. i saw her recently just straight after the defamation case literally just mm. finished and then she did went in a magazine interview and said exactly the same stuff again do yeah. you see that like what's going to happen now yeah yeah i saw it so there's what could happen and what will or won't happen so what could happen um uh, claims for what we call republication which is essentially saying what you said previously which is now found to be defamatory um or new or fresh publications if they are found to be they go further they go beyond what was originally said and i think if she does go with this book that's been touted i think that might well go beyond and there may well be fresh defamation but then what will or will not happen it depends how far it goes um I think JD's probably feels like he's done enough to clear his name. So he's probably, you know, he's not going to convince everybody, obviously, but I think he feels like he's convinced enough people that that's it now, you know, move on. Um, but it depends, it depends how far this, if there is a book, how far the book goes. And if oh it goes, God. if it goes to, because I can only imagine there's a lot more that didn't come into this trial because there's, you, you never get everything in a trial. Yeah. So if there's a, a significant amount more than there could well be um, you know more defamation claims even if she pseudonymizes him again because she didn't mention him in the op-ed but everybody knew who, who she was referring to and the odd thing that i referred to as the the truth within the truth like one of her tells of telling the truth oddly enough was when she looked um i'd say that the most the most genuine when she sort of just smiles and answers a question she looks the most genuine and when she says this wasn't about him now the the point here is is, is this it possibly wasn't about him because it didn't happen so say the jury but she was using the idea that it was him to lend her voice as she put it to this movement so i i did a video on that um which you'll find on my channel uh the the truth within the truth you know was this the truth from her the real truth within what she's saying the truth is right but the point was it it didn't really matter because anyone reading it because the way defamation works is it if you reasonably infer the meaning from the article then it doesn't matter whether you're wrong you know so everyone knew it was about him or at least they reasonably believed it was and therefore it was defamatory it yeah. met the, met the threshold so i thought the that was is, quite is, quite quirky the year is 2030 and we're, we're having another conversation about the the fifth <laughs> yeah. court proceeding between them presumably yeah. that can never sort of cross over something like defamation into criminal proceedings right it can't be like she's done it every time she gets out she does it again 
and says he's a wife beater or whatever and then goes to goes to prison or something or is it just always going to be monetary stuff well i think that there are some again some parallel um sort of harassment and uh, malicious communication type offenses in the states we certainly have them here um we've got the new offenses of um, coercive control and stalking and various things that have come into the protection of from harassment act 1997 uh which are malicious communications and so if you're if you're communicating something with the sole intent or being reckless as to some you know causing someone else alarm and distress and so on then that could be that be, could become an offense depending on how many times you do it it's like if i you know if i wrote on twitter once you know i don't like you you know well who cares it doesn't matter does it but if i did that every single day from a new account and you know that would get pretty tiring and that would be quite malicious and so that becomes an offense <laughs> so they, they can cross over into criminal territory Thank you very much to the Black Belt Barrister for coming on the show. Give him some love, everyone, by subscribing to his YouTube channel, which is The Black Belt Barrister. Thanks also to Sean Atwood for letting me put this out here. The interview was part of the Sean Atwood True Crime podcast and the Atwood Unleashed show on YouTube. Thanks, producer Ash Meikle, as well, for arranging it. That's all for now. Please keep sharing this podcast with friends so it can grow and flourish. And do review on Apple Podcasts. Coming up are episodes about the Moonies and the assassinated former Prime Minister of Japan and the Coffin Confessor coming back on the show and revealing the secrets of the dead. That's what he does. He goes to funerals. Uh, he's paid by the dying person to reveal their secrets. So I'll see you then. It's a great week ahead. <laughs>